Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. And here is a picture of that light and what it meant to Moses. I am, where we got all of this from, the Almighty God. I am who I am. God, the creator, the sustainer, the life giver, the caretaker, and the purpose giver. So all of that is, again, a picture. Notice all the things that are with light. The sustainer, the life giver, the caretaker, the purpose giver. All of that happens when you follow the light. If you've ever been in a really dark place that was kind of spooky, regaining light is such a relief. There's just something soothing about having light to help you on your way or to help keep the darkness at bay. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about how God identifies himself as the light for people, who he says are in spiritual darkness. Jesus makes the same claim to be the light, which upset some people in his day. Pastor Mark will show you how Jesus, as the light, illuminates the darkness, showing how dangerous it really is, as well as showing the way to get to the truth. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark at John chapter 8 as he begins his message, I am the light of the world. turn to John chapter 8. We're doing a series called The Great I Am's, which is the name of God in the Old Testament, and of course picked up by Jesus specifically in the book of John, seven different ones. John chapter 8, verse 12. Now when Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As we started this series in the book of Genesis, who is the great I am, he's our creator, we reminded you of life's two greatest questions. Here's the first. Who are you, Lord? And the second one is, what shall I do, Lord? Well, here Jesus tells us who he is. Look at the verse there. He's the light of the world. And then he really answers that second question. Well, since you're the light of the world, what should I do? As Jesus is speaking to the people, Jesus answers it. Look at it. I'm the light of the world. You might say, well, Pastor Mark, so what? What is that? Well, then Jesus says, 
if I'm the light of the world, then you should follow me. Just makes common sense. Because if you don't follow me, you'll continue to walk in what? In darkness. Tonight, we're going to take this in a sequence as we move through. So um, go to John chapter 7, you're close, and look at verse 2. The sequence where Jesus says this is important in how it fits in to, especially for the Jewish people, it would have been very meaningful. Sometimes when we don't connect it with what's really happening, it doesn't have the same impact, but it had great impact when Jesus stood, just like he did when he said, out of you will flow rivers of living water. That was all part of a festival as well. John chapter 7, verse 2. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near. So this is the setting in Jerusalem when Jesus makes this statement. Now what happened? What is this Feast of Tabernacles? It's one of those seven annual biblical feasts, or we would call it maybe today a holy days that God had set up, introduced to Israel at the time of the Exodus. The Feast of Tabernacles was one of the annual pilgrimage festivals where people from all over the nation would travel to keep that feast specifically in Jerusalem. The disciples, before they followed Jesus, never really left the Sea of Galilee, except when they would go down to Jerusalem for a festival. This would be one of those. Now, it was a joyous celebration to be observed throughout every generation. It's still celebrated in Israel and by the Jewish people today. Actually, all of the holy days are rich with meaning and symbolism, and this one is absolutely no different at all. Now, I want you to turn to the Old Testament, and we'll get a little instruction. The book of Nehemiah, the Old Testament, chapter 8, verse 14. Now, remember, the Jews knew this. Most of us don't know this. Steve would know it. But the rest of us really aren't familiar with this. But when they discovered the law that had been hidden in a way, you remember Nehemiah and Ezra came together, and Ezra began to teach and whatever, and the people were just, they would just stand forever to listen to the word. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 14. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in booze during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country, bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles and palm and shade trees to make booze as it is written. So there were the leaves, the materials that were to make these little booze. Verse 16. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves booze on their own roofs in the courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate. Again, not Washington, D.C., relax. By water gate and one of the gates of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built booths and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy 
was very great. So this is the instruction. The word had gotten lost. The people weren't abiding by it. Remember, everybody was doing right in their own eye. When it's discovered, they go, okay, it's time to get back to do what God's word says. You know what? In your private prayer, it would be great if this nation would get back to the word of God. We've strayed so far from it. If people would discover what the word says, it would change our country again. We'd be back to the place where we would have influence around the world and this country would not be the shape it's in. Has really nothing politic-wise. It's Bible-wise. This nation found the word of God and they went, "Uh uh-oh, we better get back to it. I'm glad you're here because we're into the word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, this was a feast of thanksgiving for the fall harvest, a joyful commemoration again of God's faithfulness of one thing, actually exposed many ways, but to provide. The temple trumpets during this feast were blown every day, and there was a ceremony of outpouring of water drawn from Shalom in memory of the living water that came from miraculously out of the rock at Meribah. Remember the bitter water that was turned? Well, remember Jesus standing there? If you thirst, out of me comes rivers of living water. So we understand that one. And here we go. There was an illumination in the inner court of the temple where the light of the grand candelabra reminded one of the pillar of fire at night, which had served as a guide through the desert. Above all, everywhere in and around Jerusalem, you can picture it in those days, in the street, the square, even on the roofs of the house, booths were erected. These leafy dwellings provided shelter for the pilgrims who came from every direction to attend the feast. But most of all, they too were reminders of the wilderness life during those 40 years of their ancestors. So taking all of this together, it was a memorial of the Exodus when the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years living in the tabernacles or in tents en route to the promised land. So what was this feast all about? Well, it was a representation of the faith of God's presence, his promises, his protection, his provision, and his guidance. Now you take God out of the Exodus, you have no Jewish people. You have no promised land. So this is a great picture of God's promises, presence, protection, provision, and his guidance. Now, as you begin to see light, light is actually all over the Old Testament as well. So we're going to take a little kind of journey through some of these. So if you will, turn to Exodus chapter 3, and let's just begin to look at light. Because often in the Bible, light is a representation of God. And as you begin to see this, it will show us A picture of that light. Jesus stands and says, I am the light of the world. Exodus 3.1. We kind of looked at this, but it's good to remind ourselves what happened. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. Remember this? And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in what? Flames of what? In light. He came to him in light from within the bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, who was this angel of the Lord? 
It was a picture. It was an introduction. It was a manifestation of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Here he is, the light in Moses' world. Same exact picture. So the second person of the Godhead manifested in that burning bush is a picture of light in the Old Testament, a picture of God being light. Remember what happened to Moses? Moses thought, I think I go over and look at the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up, why this bush is a light with light. And when the Lord God saw it, he'd gone over, he called to him from when the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. And here is a picture of that light and what it meant to Moses. I am, where we got all of this from, the almighty God. I am who I am. God, the creator, the sustainer, the life giver, the caretaker, and the purpose giver. So all of that is, again, a picture. Notice all the things that are with light. The sustainer, the life giver, the caretaker, the purpose giver. All of that happens when you follow the light. Now, let's go to Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. Now, after the children of Israel went against God, would not enter the promised land, they voted, and the majority won. And the majority often is wrong, as you well know. Amen? Even in your life, in my life. Two guys, Joshua and Caleb, said, let's go. Everybody else said, let's not go. And the people go, let's not go. Let me see if you can recognize what I'm going to say. Going into the promised land, the children of Israel were out of their comfort. Good. Am I right? See, if they'd have stepped out of that little teeny circle, what would have happened? They wouldn't have had 40 years in the wilderness. They'd have been right there when God wanted them there. So remember, that's a picture of humanity. We don't like to step out of our comfort zones. And they didn't, and because of that, the whole nation had trouble. So here you are in the wilderness. Look at verse 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar to guide them on their way, but at night, he never showed up. Is that what it says? No. So by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, in a pillar of fire to give them what tell me to give them light why did they need light so they could travel look at it by day or by night whenever the cloud moved whenever the fire light moved they could follow this neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now just stop for a moment and begin to put your life in this picture. I won't develop a lot of that, but I do want to address a little bit of it. We're on a journey. Do you know we're headed to the promised land? And we need guidance. And who is the guidance? The light of the world is Jesus. And the light of the world is not just Jesus. But John 1, 1 says that Jesus is the word. This is our light. This is how we do life. The world doesn't understand this. 
It's very interesting. Linda and I watched a little bit of this. I didn't finish it. I'm a little discouraged probably even to finish it. I like some stuff from Dr. Oz because the health stuff, I think he's a really neat thing. I don't know what will happen, but he had two people on trying to say, can a person who has a homosexual lifestyle, can they ever really change? And so there's this big debate. Well, do you and I need a debate to see whether people can change a sinful lifestyle or not? Do we need a debate? No, we don't even need science to tell us, do we? See, and that's all this program is going to look at. But if you go to Corinthians, the scripture simply says this. All the, it lists all these sins. These people were not just the sin of homosexuality, lots of sins. List all these sins. And then the next verse says this. And such were some of you in the past, but you're not that anymore. You see, God's word trumps science. It trumps experience. Anyone can change any lifestyle by the power of God. So here you are, and if you're going to get from here to the promised land, you need somebody to guide you. So do I. Who guides us? Jesus, through his word. By day and by night. You know when quite often we need guidance? More night and day, don't we? Always think, if you ever had children, they always got sick when? In the night. I'm going to get in your knees. It's always scarier at night. Ever been in a car accident at night? Oh, much. And we, we need God. And so here the children of Israel are. And notice what it says in the last part. I think it's important because this is you and me. It never left its place in front of the people. So here's what Jesus said. Let's go back to John 8. You don't have to go there. Just listen. I'm the light of the world. If you'll follow me. If you'll follow me. What does follow mean? The pillar of cloud and the fire was what in front so here's a question i won't do much more than i'm going to ask you a question are you following or are you ahead see if you're ahead you're not following and if you're ahead you're going to be in trouble are you following see the only way we're going to get where we need to go is to follow and i'm not qualified to lead only god's qualified to lead that's why Jesus said, if you'll follow me, that's the same thing that the children of Israel. They had to follow by day and by night. Now, scoot on down to the next chapter, chapter 14, and look at verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side. Isn't this supernatural? And light to the other side. So that neither went near the other all night long. Here's what I want you to write. What's that a picture of? When we're walking with God, when we're following God, sometimes I need direction. Sometimes I need protection. Sometimes I need guidance. I always want to know that God's presence is there. Because when his presence is there, I'm not fearful. I don't have to say, God, where are you? He's always there. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So the pillar of fire is the light of God, and which brought God's presence, his protection, and his wonderful guidance. Now, let's look at Psalm 119.105, if you will. Your word, you know this one pretty much by heart, is a lamp to my feet. 
and a light for my path. So God's word is our guiding light. Jesus is our guiding light for living. That's why we call ourselves Christ followers. We're following the light. Jesus is the light of the world. In midst of massive darkness. So the Bible speaks to us today just as it did in that generation. It's powerful. It's living. Its principles never change. They're always relevant. Now, one more place I want you to go. Look at Proverbs 6.23. Scoot to Proverbs 6.23. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way to life. You see, understand that when the word of God comes forth, these commands, they're a light for us. And sometimes it's not just the teaching, as 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17 say, but it is correction. We all need correction. We need a little discipline. God disciplines us with love, as we're supposed to discipline people in the church, and of course our own children with love. So these commands are a lamp. They're a lamp to us. It's healthy to us. It shows us how to live. Now, all through the Bible, especially Jesus, he loved to use common things. He loved to relate to the people. And of course, on that day, with that candelabra lit up as light, you can picture that, and Jesus is in the court of the women, and he's standing there saying, I'm the light of the world. Well, you can see who's going to get nervous, can't you? And we don't have time tonight, but the rest of chapter 8, the next 20 verses or so, it goes amazing that the Jewish people say, what are you, can't be, you can't be, the, what are you, you saying you're God? You know, where's your proof of that? Where's your other person that's going to verify that? And it's a very interesting study. We'll do it another time. But Jesus would call himself bread and light and water. And he used these physical things to speak to us spiritually. Jesus gave us the revelation of God when he tells us he's bread, he's water. He's life. Go back, if you will, to John 8, 12. And thus, this light was a very important symbol in the Feast of Tabernacles. So here, Jesus is in the temple, in the part known as the treasury. We see that later. Where the offerings were collected in huge torches or lamps burned to symbolize one thing. The pillar of fire that led the people of Israel throughout the wilderness. Isn't it amazing how God put these things? Now, why did he do that? Memory. Memory's huge. Why did Jesus give us communion? Remember me. It's to remember what he did. So this celebration was a remembrance of how those people got there. Pastor Mark taught you today that two of the basic questions for every person are, Who are you, Lord? And what shall I do, Lord? You found out how all of the feasts of the Old Testament were in some way pointing to the Messiah. You learned that the Feast of Tabernacles was a representation of faith in God's presence, promises, protection, provision, and guidance. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. 
feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, I Am the Light of the World. You'll hear more of the significance of the Feast of Tabernacles and what Jesus meant when he referred to himself during the observance of that feast. You'll learn more about God's personality, his attributes, and how those facets of God are relevant to you and your life today. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Great I Am's. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a herd